0: we're back. How's everyone doing?
1: oh there we go i think I think the chat's doing okay at least everyone everyone seems to be saying hello it seems to be good. <laughs>
0: right okay um I've forgotten to turn the alerts off um fabulous because you know I'm totally prepared today. Mm. I mean it wouldn't be a podcast if if we were entirely on it so <laughs> no. so um I'm gonna let uh uh, Paige, uh, do the intro while I make sure that the alerts are off.
1: Goodness, right. Well, okay, everyone, let's let's do this. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the latest episode of the 3 Eyes podcast hosted by myself, uh, Paige, or Pan, or Artemis, or any mixture of the names, uh, and the wonderful Drakthonia, who is normally main host. But this episode, we're doing something a little bit different, where myself and Drak are taking the reins. We don't have a third guest. The reason for that is, is, a, is a few. I think between us we have enough uh, medical conditions to fill an entire hospital full of patients <laughs> and uh, you know, and possibly a mental health hospital at the same time. So it seems that we had enough uh, apps experience between us and that with just the two of us would we'll be able to be a bit more flexible and answer a few more community questions and try and explain a little bit more. About the the specific conditions that we live with and try and give some tips and tricks as to how to manage if you are newly disabled or just needing some help because COVID is not over. It's really not. There are, you know, always going to be issues with things like hay fever becoming more prevalent where it's sunny in the UK, it's sun getting get warmer and everything's going to and then you know you're going to come back round to the flus and there is always going to be people getting sick for the first time and having no clue what to do about it so that's what this episode is about is just from our experiences what can we teach so obviously so yeah i'm here for 26 odd episodes so hopefully you know who i am but if not hi uh i'm a uh, part-time streamer for, for horror and music and things and full-time community manager for uh for a charity that helps disabled people play video games and Drac introduce yourself
0: Hi I'm Drac which it'd be really strange if you didn't know me because you're on my channel um I um the uh as as Paige said the main host of of the uh podcast section of the Through Our Eyes uh um well it's more of a collective uh, where we try to uh highlight marginalized creators um and their stories try to give a space to um those topics that aren't often tackled aren't often uh, talked about like confronting some taboos um it originated from um the main stream uh, um through our eyes uh episodes that we were hosting on uh, uh, Paige's channel Um, and we realized that it it just didn't give us enough space to (laughs) to talk about individual stories. So that's where this came about. Um, During the rest of the time, I'm a uh, full-time well, content creator. I won't say full-time streamer because I stream (laughs) three times a week. Um, but I also do YouTube, I also do leather work, um yeah, basically I'm I'm I have my fingers in many pies. Um but yes, I am disabled, I um have um endometriosis, uh chronic pain, chronic fatigue, um anxiety and depression, um, I am uh, pansexual and uh demiflux and um yeah i i i do the things and stuff so that's that's me
1: yeah so to before we get into the the first set of questions um i just wanted to mention that everything we talk about today is from our perspectives but we have tried to talk to as many people and get as many perspectives over the last year of doing this podcast and there's this 20-plus other episodes on Spotify and Anchor and everywhere else and possibly on YouTube at some point. It is
0: slowly being uploaded to YouTube as we speak. Um, So yeah, yeah,
1: (laughs) damn lag, we'll get there one day. Um, But obviously what we say, we say from our own experience. We cannot speak for everyone's experience and we do realize that what we say also comes with a level of privilege from being white people in in the uk which does have although it doesn't always work mostly free healthcare and uh in well at least in my case a a cis passing relationship or you know a straight passing relationship with no but that's what it looks like so i wanted to mention that and to highlight especially during pride month and it's just been aapi month as well and mental health is that support should always be intersectional and we just want to make sure that that is highlighted before we get speaking and and going with our own perspectives so that there are many more and that you should take some time to to seek them out as well if you've got more questions.
0: And also that at the end of the day, this is only from our experiences. We are not uh, uh, qualified medical professionals. Um, So anything that we say is from how we have learnt to deal with our situations and how those things may or may not be useful to you now yes. always 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 go to your doctor first do not do not be coming to a podcast like this and and going well <laughs> i have a slight itch under my armpit, uh, which sounds kind of similar to to those hives that you've been getting. So obviously <laughs> I've got that thing, and not actually seek medical attention um, and and go to an actual professional for a legitimate diagnosis, um, because first and foremost, it's it's about getting the help that you actually need. But in that we can also give advice on on how to seek the help that you may need so
1: right so let's get in the first question so we've already done a tiny bit of this but let's just go one by one we'll start with you for these drag um and then we'll, we'll bounce back to me but let's just explain a little bit about the conditions that that we live with the cliff notes as it were not, not the full medical file um so just (laughs) names and brief details i suppose and yeah start with you and then whatever you want to share go ahead and then
0: and then i'll take the reins off okay so as i said uh endometriosis uh which uh for those who don't know is where lovely bits of your your uterine lining travel into places that they shouldn't be and uh cause you uh decades of pain and they refuse to remove your your uh, uh, uterus and tell you to go on the pill instead. Um, I'm not bitter at all, uh, <laughs> but it is, it is something that is very commonly um, uh, um, a, an issue with uh, uh, individuals uh, with a uterus. It's something that is very little understood and uh, quite often not accepted as a legitimate condition or disability, and I for one can very much vouch for the fact that it is definitely disabling and um, causes a lot of issues. Um, That's my main one. Uh, Obviously with that I have chronic pain, which may or may not be it. We have no idea. Um, So hypermobility, and chronic fatigue which pretty much are self self-explanatory and and yes as i said anxiety and depression
1: mm. bro uh for myself uh diagnosed i have fibromyalgia which is similar to a few other things you might have heard of like chronic fatigue but along with that comes some intense pain some intense fatigue but also massive insomnia uh, Pain across my skin, and it's very weird because the skin is an organ, but not a lot of people remember that. So occasionally it will just feel like someone's hit me with the baseball bat all over for the fun of it. Um, I have psoriatic arthritis with skin presentation, which does mean that occasionally my skin will either just split, rend, bleed, or otherwise rash, which is very fun, um, but causes either sacks of fluid to appear in my joints or for my joints to erode. Or for my joints to calcify so you know how if you get lime scale in your house everything sort of just doesn't work properly and grinds against each other that's essentially what happens in my joints it's not particularly fun uh, along that I also have diagnosed depression which I believe might be misdiagnosed ADHD I am currently on a path of having that uh, being assessed so I have my appointment but unfortunately they're all a year out because the UK does not have a, a better mental health system in place able to see more people at one time so that is currently waiting. That's a more of a self-diagnosis area, which is, helps manage it. And I am also being tested for either endometriosis or polycystic ovarian syndrome next week, which is fun, um, which is something I only really considered after meeting and talking to people like Drac and uh, people like Stacey of Gotham, who is a, a wonderful creator and a fantastic disability advocate, when I realized that when you're younger and you get your first period, if you're somebody who menstruates, you're told it's going to be painful. to deal with it. It's fine. Here's, here's, some, here's some water bottles and uh, some chocolate and go. But then you realize that you're taking 8-codeine and paracetamol and meloxicam and other things that are meant to reduce pain in your body and then you can still feel the cramps. Something is possibly a little bit wrong. So that's being checked out as well. Both, those are my main ones. Uh, there are other things. But essentially, I think for both of us, that just means we're always very tired and
0: we're always in pain. Yeah, pretty much. It Just <laughs> depends on which thing is causing the issue at the time. Yes. Like currently, it's it's the uh, endo. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, yes, this isn't us here, here to to bitch and moan about our various ailments. It's what have we learn what what can we share that may or may not be useful
1: so yeah so initially let's just talk a little bit about how we manage with our specific conditions um you know so skipping past the initial bit of of getting diagnosed just talking about the illnesses themselves um for anyone that might see that they have or feel that they have fatigue or anything like that how how do you manage what are some things that you find help you manage sort of day-to-day with pain levels or with fatigue?
0: So, I have tried a whole hog of different things throughout my time of uh, suffering from various illnesses and such forth. Um, For me, pain is probably one of the most difficult things to deal with on a day-to-day basis I mean your entire perception of pain your levels of pain your your interpretation of what is something that needs addressing what is not what is normal what is not is completely skewed when you have Mm. chronic long-term pain Um, I I hate to say it, but you're gonna have to go through all of the hoops to to get to a point where you know what it is that works for you. Um, because at the end of the day, something may click. And I hate saying that because that's what they always say to you in like mental health support and stuff is that, well, something somewhere, a little tidbit might work for you. And it's like, well, yeah, but you could have given me all that information at the start and I couldn't have wasted five years going through the system. Um, so I hate saying it, but it, there is, there is potentially may put you onto the right course of action. So for me, it's realizing that pain meds are an absolute only if i absolutely have to situation because yeah okay some of them may kick it in the bud initially but my tolerance is going to very rapidly uh go up and i'm going to lose that benefit and when you have something that develops from zero to ten in the pain scale you want to be saving it for the times where it goes to ten, and not for when it's at, like, a five. Which, to a lot of people, is probably something that's odd, and unusual, um, because you'd think, if you're in pain, just take take the meds that will help. But when those meds make you uh, hallucinate, or make you unconscious for a long period of time, or are uh, debilitating in themselves or have detrimental effects, they can have effects on like your liver function, they can have effects on other things that you are taking. Uh, having a day-to-day life is weighed up against whether or not those pain meds are worth it. So it's for me it's it's fine, It's it's determining that balance of is it worth taking the pain meds versus trying to get on through. Um, The other thing that I found that actually has helped me is, especially with things like chronic fatigue, is accepting that I'm not... (laughs) I'm not as young as I used to be! (laughs) <laughs> a lot of people will know that you know, I, I I do joke about the fact that I'm I'm over the hill and all that kind of stuff. But a lot of that is based on the fact that I no trust me, like I'm in my thirties. Like I'm I'm not over the hill in any way, shape or form. Um, I, I've I've been I'm at the best peak of me that I ever have been, despite the illnesses. But in my body, in my illnesses, I feel very much over the hill, so to speak, and accepting that there are things that will take it out of me and will actually detriment me to do, it's hard, and I very often stumble, <laughs> but it is part of, part of that. That is, is the, one of the main things that I've had to come to deal with and, and be able to realise to get through dealing with my my issues how about you Paige
1: well first I'll pick up on 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 something you said just about uh pain tolerance and understanding pain because I think that's one of the things that's helped me is to understand that when you live with with chronic pain whether you've just started with it you know it's it's only something you've just started experiencing or you've lived with it for a long time it becomes your new normal quite quickly and it Sometimes it becomes very easy to forget that other people don't always live in pain. And it feels like a really weird foreign concept, because I, I remember that my husband doesn't live all day with pain. And I'm like, how did you stand up just now? Like, oh, oh no way, that people can generally do that. Fair enough. Um, but there are a couple of very good guides online, um, which are scales, like from zero to to 10. And normally the ones that they give you in hospital are just a list of smiley faces. And that's not helpful at all, because if you're sobbing, you're going to say it's a 10, but that may not be correct. But there are a couple of really good scales online that are for people with chronic pain to explain what level of pain they're in. And knowing that language will really help you when you then need to ask somebody for help. Um, so, you know, if it's a 10, you may be vomiting, passing out, cannot physically stand, cannot speak, cannot breathe. That's like, that's really serious, you need to go to hospital immediate time. But what you might live with is a constant four to five, which is cannot do most of my daily tasks without assistance, need to balance up exactly what I can and can't do, and need to accept I can either eat or shower. I, It's difficult. Not close. <laughs> exactly not both it's where the idea of spoons theory comes from as well but it's it's essentially one to explain your pain and to understand for yourself where you're at as well because if you understand your situation hopefully you can be a little kinder to yourself about it as well and as Drax just put in the chat spoon theory gives you the idea that you start each day with a set amount of spoons just to give you something visual and each task that you do in a day costs an amount of spoons But you might see that some of them that you would expect to be able to do both of, you can, but that means you can't do six other things that would have cost one spoon each because you've got to do two tasks that cost three each. And that's a lot of stuff you then cannot do. So I think in my experience, how I manage, and it's only something I've learned over the last few years because when I was first diagnosed with my illnesses, I was 18 and I was angry about it. And I tried to push through, and I did things that ended up hurting myself, and got to a point in my mid twenties. I was like, it's just not worth it. I've you 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 get the one body, and you can rebel against it all you want, but it ain't changing. So trying to learn to understand and to be able to vocalise and explain my situation to other people is something that that really helps me. More specifically, I am more reliant on medication than Drac is, um, but that's because without it, I sit far higher in a pain scale than I would ever expect. Um, and to be any kind of functional, <laughs> I require my medication. But over the years I have taken it, its effectiveness has been far worse. I could normally take one to two of my painkillers a day. And that would be all I would need because it would send me sky high. These days I can take eight to 12, which you are definitely not meant to do. That's a very extreme example. But I can take my full prescription and be like, I still hurt. So... It's one of those things you do need to balance up and try and find other things that will help with your pain and not be over reliant on medication.
0: Which I feel very much, um, as you were raiding, it, it very much touches on uh, what we were talking about, where um, trying out alternatives. Yeah. Um, we, for I mean, people who are in the UK know this, and a lot of in Europe as well, but we don't have uh, legalized weed, we do not have the access to to that other than through very extreme circumstances as pain medication through private uh, uh, facilities, um, and our CBD options are not highly regulated, um, then we, there's no quality assurance, there's no confirmed like quantity that's vetted by a a, an examining body Um, so we're not ever really entirely sure if what we're getting is what we're getting Um, so pain meds are are particularly (laughs) are our only source of of like medicinal option But at the same time we're in a situation right now where the government is trying to remove that option altogether for for anyone um they're they're not actually being encouraged to prescribe pain medication to to anyone with chronic pain especially um which means that the one thing that does keep a lot of us Capable of just seeing out a day is being removed um, so now more than ever it's it's important for us to try and find other alternatives um, before it gets to a point where we're we're completely out of any options, but yeah uh. That's the only reason that I don't end up taking trouble at all. Every time I'm My extreme pain is because i i I don't want to be in the situation where where I come to depend on something that then is taken away from me,
1: yeah, it's pretty much what they were saying in Mad Max Fury Road Don't depend on water because you'll lament it when it's gone. oh good um so yeah we'll we'll try not to end up in that situation yeah. um, but I, yeah, can, I, so...
0: I can definitely say one thing that hasn't helped. Exercise. Exercise has definitely not helped. Um, See, there's a difference between exercising to make my body fit enough to be capable of something when it's doing well, and exercising because it's somehow going to cure my pain or my fatigue. So that's... I don't want to discourage exercise. I want to highlight that that is not a solution. It's something as a preemptive avoidance of making the times where your body is good also unusable.
1: Exercise is definitely an interesting issue as well, because one of the first things that will be suggested is do you exercise because, uh people with chronic pain often won't be able to exercise either as much as they want to or as much as they used to be able to because it hurts and that is the problem it's incredibly painful um and it's very difficult to control because one of the other things that a lot of chronic pain is blamed on is weight so one of the things i've often been asked as you can see not a slim person is well you're fat have you tried losing weight and it's like for 10 years yes but there is obviously something wrong with me that is not allowing it. Exercise is not always the the answer. And I would also say if you have become disabled because of something like COVID, talk to a doctor first before you try any kind of exercise regime, especially if you've just caught COVID and you're just getting over it. Because one of the uh, factors, apparently, that causes long COVID to pop up in more cases is excessive exercise or trying to push your body before it heals. Just because you feel better doesn't mean your body is better. Which is one of the things that, unfortunately, I have to do to manage my conditions. Is I have a lot of what's called preferred pain, um, or deferred pain even. Um, I can I I can I can lift quite a lot. I'm I'm fairly strong for being a small large person um, and. I can push myself to do a lot of stuff if I need to. But what I then realize is two days later, I cannot walk, sit or breathe properly because of the horrendous amount of pain that painkillers do not then touch. Um, I did have to actually take a week off work a couple of months ago, because trying to do some more exercise and introduce that into my daily routine to help my mental health and my physical health ended up causing uh, an issue with inflammation in the base of my spine and laid me up. So in trying to do the thing the doctor said to do, I had to take a week off of work, unable to move. It's very, very much worth learning what your body is capable of. And if the doctor suggests that the only thing they can do for you is exercise, you can say no, and you can ask for a second opinion, or you can try and find out a little bit more online or at least ask them for some information on safe exercise. It doesn't mean running. It doesn't mean immediately diving into a pool. It doesn't mean you have to get a cycle bike.
0: There are also many, many different forms of exercise, and mm-hmm. often you will find that um, it's suggested. Well, why don't you? Why don't you try swimming? Why don't you try uh, um, uh, uh, cycling? Why don't you? if some of these things are are far too intensive for you to be starting out on especially if you are newly uh, um, uh, disabled like if you're newly ill likelihood is you've gone from 110% all of the time to zero and the last thing you want to be doing is is going full throttle into something like like cycling or or swimming because that's going to be extremely intensive for your body, especially uh, those uh, options, because they are full body workouts. And that's why they're recommended. But That's also why those shouldn't be the first thing that you try. And I know, again, it's going to be one of those things where people are going to hate it, but yoga and physio in that sense is very useful because you can start very slight and very small and you've got to stop thinking with this mentality that exercise is something that has to be non-stop you know it's, it's it's not something that has to from point one be intensive you can start with something as simple as making sure to raise your legs from the bed rotating your ankles, rotating your wrists, making sure that you're stretching slightly, giving yourself just movement, focusing on those movements and building things up rather than going, I'm going to go cycle and then knocking yourself out for another couple of months. It's something that they don't tend to talk about, but it is actually really important.
1: And yeah, as as we said at the beginning as well, and Drax said, it's also worth talking to a doctor about it, because in my specific case, where I have found a very recently a good specialist who listened to my issues, and because I've had so many years communicating about them, just went, oh, you know what you're talking about then? I was like, yeah. She went, don't do yoga. With your spinal issue, that will hurt. And that is not good for you. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Because the other doctors are like, well, if you can't swim because of your skin issues, why don't you do yoga? Try and learning about yourself is the best way to get other people to help you out. And we will be discussing this more shortly about being a good advocate for yourself. Um, But understanding yourself and keeping notes is incredibly helpful. So when somebody, it's almost like uh, playing a game where somebody's like, ha ha, I've got the answer. You're like, no, no, you don't. I have proof. It's basically being able to say, you know, I I have information that I can give to make this easier because not everything is going to be recorded in your file.
0: Ah, yes. Um, But yeah, I mean, it it is entirely dependent on what type of illness, disability that you have. I mean, there is in no way, shape or form that someone who's got a back injury is going to be able to do stretches of the back. (laughs) <laughs> there is no way that someone who has uh, um uh got muscle wasting in in a leg is is going to be able to to uh do exercises that require leg strength it's it's use use what you can don't take everything as a, you have to do all of it you know do what you are capable of and be aware that just because they're saying that that's useful it's it it it's more of a generalised piece of advice, and you have to take the bits and pieces that actually work for you and not apply the generic advice to yourself.
1: All right, let's to our next question, which is well our next couple of questions are just dealing with health when it's being more problematic essentially. Um, but the first one is how do we manage the guilt that comes along with being disabled? And if if you if you if you are disabled and listening to this, or you deal with chronic pain, you've probably had those days where you think to yourself like, oh, I should have been able to do that, or oh, somebody else is having to do this for me, or you know, oh, this is ridiculous. Why can't I do this? I have failed. All the dishes needed doing, and now they're gross, and I can't do. It. There's a there is a lot of guilt that comes across because it's normally grieving. What you were able to do once, and feeling bad you cannot still do it, and although it sucks, you will feel it, but it is not your fault. So how how do you deal with that guilt if and when you feel it, Drag?
0: Honestly, honestly, I don't I don't think it gets any easier. You're gonna you're gonna go through points where that's gonna hit you. And it's gonna. Thing is, is that especially if you're dependent on someone else, um, being disabled or ill puts you in a very vulnerable position. Um, it does mean that you end up relying on those around you more than you, especially if you're a very independent person. It can be excruciating to to go through. It's it's frankly humiliating sometimes, and there are times where it just doesn't, it doesn't get better in that sense, because you are going to be hit with it, and it's going to creep up on you again and again, and sometimes you are going to feel like you're just a burden, and the thing is, it's, it's not your fault. You didn't choose to do this. You didn't choose to, to end up ill. And you are only capable of what you are capable of. And there is no shame in depending on others who care about you. Or who whose job it is to care for you. Um, because that is... Inherently, human nature is to take care of each other and to to aid those around us. Or it should be, anyway. Um, I tend to require a lot of uh, like, reassurance when I get like that. And I'm very bad at accepting it, but there's, there's nothing wrong with asking, and seeing if there is some way that you can help out that isn't like energetically intensive, or, or some way that you can support them. Because at the end of the day, there is also the part where the carer is also going to be feeling those points. And you need to be aware that just because it's uncomfortable for you doesn't mean it's not uncomfortable for them too. So you have to be kind to both parties. And there are going to be arguments. And there are going to be falling outs. And there are going to be moments where you just don't want the help. Because you're stubborn. And that's fine. There are times where you just need to prove that you can do it yourself. That's also fine. But it's also fine to depend on the person. It is. And at the same point, you do not have to stay with someone just because you are dependent on help. If you're in a relationship where like, someone is, is your main carer, and there's been like news articles recently uh, highlighting about it. I-, I shared one on Twitter today. Being being in a, a marriage is not equal if you are disabled. There is no equality in that because you are dependent. Your your a lot of your uh, benefits are taken away. Uh, you are financially vulnerable. You are physically vulnerable but you should never have to stay in a relationship because because they take care of you and because you've had your benefits taken away you are still a person you are still an individual and you still have all of the same rights and uh feelings and needs as any other individual and you entirely very much are owed those so yeah I think that answers the question
1: (laughs) it it, it definitely did um and yeah I think my answer was going to be something similar but more along the lines of communication which you mentioned but that's communication with yourself and with others whether, whether you have somebody that you are dependent on or not or whether you have somebody that's dependent on you you could be, you know, it could be a parent or a partner of somebody who is, is disabled or chronically ill. Um communication can be difficult, but you do need to have it. Especially with yourself. Um, it is upsetting to realise that you cannot always do the things that you used to do and that you cannot, you know, experience things the same way, which sucks. Like I do remember being 18 and walking four odd miles in an hour and a bit to get to college and being like heck yeah this is great oh look at the beautiful sun this morning awesome and now i cannot walk to the shop a quarter of a mile away without intense pain in my back and that sucks and i lament that that's happened but there's a lot more things i do now i have a much more open online community and because of why i experienced being able to talk about it and you know talk to people like who are listening to the podcast is hopefully helping somebody else so although there are things that are lost there are things that I've gained and that helps me deal with the the guilt of it is that not everything has been taken from me and I am still a person as you said who is, is worthy of their own humanity and there are things that I have been able to still do not everything is lost and a saying that I do like and it doesn't work for everyone, as is all this advice, but it's not my fault, but it is my responsibility. And I like that. I did not choose this, but it's up to me how I handle it. And it, it can be very difficult some days. Some days you do just need to let yourself have a wallow and and feel how crap things are, because the more you repress it, the longer and the harder it's going to be to deal with when it comes back out. But if you've got a 10-minute frustration crying to a pillow, that's going to make you feel so much better, and that cathartic experience so much quicker that you're able to then look at things in perspective. Uh, communication with other people is really, really helpful as well um, because I do get stubborn sometimes. And I, with the suspected ADHD as well, I like to do things on the whim, but I can't always do them quite right, and I throw shit over the floor, and then it's frustrating because there's a big, loud noise, and then I'm just like, oh, everything's gone to shit. But then communicating that afterwards and explaining the situation and actually talking about it can help. I can help me reverse. Maybe I could've just asked for some, some help with that, you know, I didn't need to drop that paint all over the floor. I could have just said, wait, husband, pick up this paint for me, please. I can't lift it. It's difficult, you do have to learn the hard way by fucking up and fixing it essentially. But Yes, communication internally and externally is is very important. One thing that I thought was interesting as well was a technique that I was taught a while ago by a therapist. Um, and again, this isn't free therapy advice. This is just something that worked for me that may work for other people. Um, but Dracus said, like, you know, if you are, the, you know, a disabled person in a relationship or in a relationship with a disabled person or you both are, there's going to be clashes sometimes. One thing that I learned which was really helpful is a thing called red flag. Which is just an idea that if you are, you as somebody that you respect are talking to each other and you set this up beforehand, if a topic crosses into no man land, you're not talking about it, that you have the respect and the mutual understanding, to say the words red flag, which means stop conversation, dead, leave it, take five, maybe we'll come back to it. Because sometimes if you get yourself angrier and angrier, you're going to hurt yourself, you're going to become fatigued, and you're not going to be able to continue that conversation. And it is worth it for yourself and the other person who maybe just doesn't understand what you're going through at that time to finish having that conversation so yeah communication i think is the main thing that helps because humans are very well we work in societies and we work in small communities and and with with interpersonal relationships like it helps to talk and it sounds very cliche but it does
0: i mean communication in in any sense is always like, likelihood is ninety percent of things can can be improved with better communication. Like, likelihood is you will be able to understand people's point of views much better if you just take the time to to, to have a conversation, listen to what they're saying, try to try to see it from their perspective. It's,
1: And if as the disabled party, you have done something to hurt another person, as I said, maybe it wasn't your fault, but it is your responsibility, and it is still on you to think about that, because you're going to make it easy for yourself in the long run as well, and for the other person, because it is incredibly difficult being in a relationship with somebody who's disabled. You're not a burden, but it is still something new you have to learn, and there's things that you need to learn how to communicate and how to change things to make things easier for each other. like operating a wheelchair for the worst time, first time is confusing as hell. Like, what do all the bits do, and what's that slider for? Like, it can be new and it can be scary for everyone. So, trying to be communicative and open does help.
0: But also, just don't don't beat yourself up for those times where you actually are being a stubborn asshole that doesn't want the help. <laughs> it's. I mean, let's let's all face it. Like, there are times where you. Your partner or your friend has had to take you to the toilet, and he'll hold you above a toilet. And and I'm not gonna lie, that's 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 fucking embarrassing. It's fucking embarrassing. Yeah. And and you're gonna feel embarrassed. You're gonna feel shame. You're going to feel like you're you're pathetic. You're gonna either all of this shit is gonna go through your head. Likely it is they don't give a fuck they're just wanting to help you likelihood is you're internally going to feel like shit and you you might lash out you might lash out and you might just you, you might throw a wobbly and don't 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 punish yourself for for those points but you do it is your responsibility to check in with the other person it's to make sure that they're also doing well and to apologize. Because at the end of the day, it, it, it you are acting like an ass. <laughs> yeah, and it, it doesn't matter the situation. Other, it's,
1: the other person wouldn't be there if they didn't want to be. Yeah. It's worth just sitting in and making sure that everything's chill pretty much. Right, shall we move on to the next question? Mm-hmm. So the next question, which... Sounds similar to the first one, but I think this is more just your personal experiences. How do you cope with a bad health day? What like what are the things that you do to either make yourself feel better or to distract yourself or like what are some things that you find help?
0: Depends on the type of health day. But assume like if, if I'm in if I'm in full endo uh pain, there ain't nothing that's gonna make me feel better. Um I am going to be crying in bed, Uh, trigger warning, I'm probably going to be suicidal and there ain't nothing that's going to make that better, there isn't. No amount of of anything is is going to help me in that situation because pain is all I'm going to be able to feel and pain is all that's going to be happening. In a situation where I'm not so debilitated, there are things that will make me feel better. Like gaming. Gaming makes me feel better. Sometimes, especially if it's mental health day, where I just cannot deal with existence, life, people, I can close myself away in a game. And anyone who says that gaming is a bad thing Obviously, has is only ever experienced addiction and not uh, <laughs> and not healthy escapism because escapism is not is not a bad thing. Addiction is. Um. Yeah, for me, it's it's usually about saving spoons. It's usually about not having to make decisions, not having to think about anything outside of this one thing that I can focus on, to distract from anything else that's going on. And those times I'm, I'm unpleasant to talk to, because I, I, I don't want to... I, I, I cannot deal with anything else outside of that one thing, because if I do then everything else comes back So for me, it's it's that will be a time, and if, if God forbid, you'd be one of the people that tries to disturb me during that time,
1: because
0: <laughs> I will spit fire, <laughs> um, and chocolate, chocolate is uh, uh, <laughs> usually a pretty good one, how about you?
1: So I think I tend to it, it as you say, it very much depends on oh oh my husband's bought me tea. Thank you, dear. Um it very much depends on the, the kind of bad health day. If it is mental health, um then those are more difficult for me than pain days because I've become accustomed to pain days pretty much. Um, but so I do also have a way I, I deal with those if they do spike. Um as I say, mental health days are more difficult. Uh, especially with uh, the suspected ADHD, I'm just going to say just with the ADHD from here on, just so you know, um, but with the ADHD, I will often find myself falling into quite severe executive dysfunction and staring at something being like, why can't I do this? It's like, it takes two minutes to do, why cannot? But the brain's like, "Now you can't, Just you, nope, nope, you ain't touching that email, screw you, not doing it. So at those points, unfortunately, the best thing I can do is find something my brain wants to do. And hopefully it's something that's on task. But if it ain't, normally indulging the the thing that the like the tiny glimmer of something I want is far more healthy than trying to keep hammering away a brick wall that's never gonna come down. Because when it's just a bad mental health day, allowing myself to do something that sparks a tiny bit of joy will help me manage the other parts easier whether that
0: is yeah basically letting yourself rest it's it's letting yourself stop because i think i i mean especially in in this current uh um work environment we're encouraged so much to work harder work more work constantly be working, trying to better ourselves, constantly be be on it. And that taking some downtime, taking some time to, to not is, is a bad thing. And that's really it, 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 it's not healthy. <laughs> it's not a healthy way of, of approaching life. So basically, I feel like the advice that we're giving here is let yourself rest. Let yourself indulge those times where your body and your brain are going nope
1: (laughs) let yourself have a little bit of happiness because you may still have stuff you have to get done there may still be a situation you need to, to get through especially if you have somebody that is dependent on you you might be like i cannot be having this right now but sometimes you have to because you do have to refill your own sort of your own pots so that you can keep pouring and sharing everywhere else so yes if it's bad mental health it's one trying to let myself feel it and to actually understand it and to communicate if that's happening if i can whether it's just whether i just send like two words to my husband on this because that's all the brain power i've got for like brain bad that's the entire message he'll understand something from that um or whether i can actually talk about it it's try and let someone else know what's happening, and then try and indulge the part of my brain that wants something happy. So when I when I get panic attacks, which I don't talk about that often, but I do occasionally get panic attacks, which is essentially part of the dysfunction. If it gets to the critical point where it's like I'm still trying to hammer down that wall and it ain't falling, I will start getting into a state of panic. Um, and there's one song I like to put on very loud in my headphones and just sit still for five minutes watch the video and try and regulate breathing. Which is a very extreme example for me of having to just feel it because at that point it feels very vulnerable and it feels very scary. But the song is, uh, it's one of my favorites actually that I like to listen to anyway. It's called "Interspace Space by Starkadian. Um, and it's just got a wonderful beat to it. And there's just something about it, it tickles my brain in the right way that if I'm struggling, I know it's gonna get to the part of my brain that just wants a moment of peace and clarity so I can find it. If it's a bad physical day, uh, I like to, to to roll myself up like a surface slug, which sounds weird, but I like to get my entire duvet and like hold it and then roll so I'm entirely cocooned and then go sideways on the sofa with a pillow and just play my switch or just stare into the atmosphere or look at TikTok or something mindless and repetitive and silly to distract me. This, the, the duvet sounds like I'm just trying to be a comfy, lazy person. It's actually to help cushion all my joints so they're not pushing against the sofa or uh, that I'm not leaning. Uh, if I lean on my elbows for more than 30 seconds, my entire arms will go numb, as will my hands, so I'll drop whatever I'm holding, so take all the pressure off the joints and go from there. I mean, luckily, that's a thing I learned a while back, and it when I started doing it, I thought I was just being incredibly lazy, and I beat myself up for that. But now I've realized, in the back of my mind, I was like, must remove pressure. Get in duvet. (laughs) And that helps. So, yeah. It's very, very dependent on what kind of bad day it is, as you said. But there's this technique. I
0: do have have one thing that, for those who are still needing to get things done, Mm. and... This is something that can, honestly, it can work for anyone. Um, But using a, a productivity reward system. Yes. So reward yourself for getting something kicked off. It can be the smallest thing. But if you then reward yourself for it, your brain gets that little hit of dopamine. It's the same way as like games work, you know, when you get an achievement or it does the little, or whatever it is, right. (laughs) It it sets off a little dopamine kick in your brain and your brain goes, Oh, I like that. Let's do it again. So, if you're so desperately in need of getting things done, and you're having a really, really bad day. Whether that be illness or in general. Do a productivity thing. Reward yourself for it. Then you know that you've, A, you've got something done. B, you're giving yourself something to look forward to once you've got that thing done. And C, you're getting a little dopamine kick at the end of it that's going to be like, yeah, okay, I feel good. Dopamine is basically one of your your kick uh, um, uh, hormones uh, uh, um, in your brain that goes, yeah, yeah, cool, cool. I like that. I feel good. And you you want that. You want that.
1: Yeah. I'd say take it a step further as well if you are really struggling and break down tasks. So, like, say you need to get your laundry done, which is a good example. The first task you might need to do is just putting stuff in the machine. You don't even need to have turned it on, but it's now not in the basket; it's in the machine. It's ready for you to do the next part. Do something you want, want to listen to a song? Awesome, great reward. Put the stuff in the machine. Listen to the song. Next task might literally just be putting the stuff in that it needs like the, the you know whatever you're putting in to wash it with that might be the next task it sounds so silly it's so small and sure you should be able to put the stuff in put it the in then turn it on and make sure the is set correctly and then make sure you've got the basket but you can break all of those into individual steps like a video game trying to pad itself out would do it's just break down everything into simpler tasks this, this, make, one everything thing with, <laughs> make everything a fetch quest make everything a fetch quest if the one thing you have to get done is the dishes but what you need most is a fork, then just clean the fucking fork. Make sure you have the thing that you need and go from there because you may just find that once you put the laundry in the machine, you might actually go, oh, but I could actually, I feel better if I put the stuff in there to, to do it. And maybe if I just press the one button to turn it on, I'd feel even better. And you might find that you've been able to do the task and felt good about it. But if not, break it down This is something that you can manage and then do not beat yourself up because you've done more than you were ever going to be able to do if you hadn't done anything. <laughs> So, yes, I think that I think that sums that up a little bit um, in in a little bit of how do we cope sort of in general and in theory and with some top tips. So that's that's good. So the next question will break down into a few bits, and then we've got a few random questions that I've gathered, and then as we always say, you can put questions into the chat using the channel. Yeah, awesome. lined up.
0: Yeah.
1: Excellent. Right. So this next section, I guess, is about being your own best advocate. Now, we already discussed earlier about pain levels, but as a reminder, there are a couple of very good charts online for people who experience chronic pain for communicating that pain because not everything is a zero and not everything is a 10. There's a, there's a good nuance in the middle there of what kind of pain you're experiencing and how debilitating it is, essentially. So that's very helpful. Um, but what, what else would you say has been helpful, Jack, for learning some of the language or being able to communicate what you're
0: struggling with um, got I've got a bunch, but um just to before I forget to add on to that uh, uh, and kind of link to what what, what <laughs> I was going to say anyway um chronic pain sufferers downplay their pain um, and that's one of the issues with getting. Uh, taken seriously honestly when going to a medical professional um, don't downplay your your issues don't be like oh well it's nothing oh it's only happened this lo- oh cause I'm telling you now as a Brit that is pretty much my biggest MO of going to going to any any medical professional um, is downplaying things and and being like brushing it off and oh well you know it's not so bad other people have it worse but those other people aren't currently sat in front of their doctor asking for help Uh, (laughs) you're currently sat in front of your doctor asking for help you need to be accurate in how you are how often it is affecting you, how how it is affecting you, what it is inhibiting you from doing, um, when it most commonly occurs. Um, this being with anything, it doesn't have to be pain, it can it can be any any of your symptoms. Um, which brings me on to get your medical notes.
1: Yeah. Let me jump in quickly though, Drax, I just wanted to mention as well, sorry to cut you off. Um but from earlier where we mentioned intersectionality it's also really important to remember that uh, if you're somebody who menstruates you've likely been told oh it's meant to hurt and so you're gonna downplay it that hell of a lot until you realize I don't think this amount of hurt is correct if you've got any hurt you don't think is correct try and speak to a doctor but another thing to remember as well and I do not know if this happens as much in the UK because we've mostly spoken to people from black communities in the US but uh, a lot of black people are often accused of overplaying their pain. And there are a number of reasons why they might be accused of that, which are all wrong to clarify, um, and are usually based on horrendous stereotypes that have no basis. But that's why understanding how to communicate and having a chart or having notes is really helpful for explaining pain. So that if somebody says, you're making it up, you can say, here's a document that's got two months worth of notes, I'm not. Especially if somebody's going to accuse you of overplaying or underplaying. It's it's really worth, and it is worth remembering, that you may already have some dice stacked against you, which is not fair, nor is it right. But unfortunately, those are things that you have to maybe consider if you are well, marginalized, especially if you are marginalized in multiple ways.
0: Yeah. I mean, that is a huge thing. It's, it's, I know it's a pain. I know it sucks, and I know that you're probably likely to forget, especially if you're ill, um, or you're a divergent, or People busy, or I <laughs> oh, pretty much everything. Um, did you just spill tea all over no, your keyboard? No, I nearly um, used it
1: everywhere. We're good.
0: Um, keep records and notes and note down your symptoms and note down how it's affecting you and note down dates and how often and what you ate what you what consistency your poop was it like seriously there are so many things that you can take notes of that will it's it's painful to to have to try and do it but it's necessary if you want to make significant progress in our medical system as it is at the moment to be taken seriously, to be taken, uh, to make sure that you're getting the information across, to give them the right direction. There are so many specialists, there are so many avenues that they can explore. And you can save yourself a whole bunch of waiting and angst and hell by making sure that you have taken down this information that can help point those medical professionals in the right direction.
1: Yeah, exactly. Right. So, sorry, Jack. <laughs> Uh do we want to go back to the, the previous point, or have we pretty much covered it off? So, previous point? Of, I'm literally scrolling back through the entire conversation in my head, because this is another thing that happens with ADHD. I get really stuck in tangents. Um, yeah, It's mostly being, uh, being your own best advocate and learning communic- uh, language to communicate and to, to explain how you are feeling.
0: Okay. Um, honestly, I know this, this is, this is kind of, this may be bad or good advice. It depends on the medical professional. Okay? But what I have found myself is the more clued in to the terminology that they use as shorthand for those medical conditions that you are experiencing, be it the position of your pain, be it the the things that they're testing around that for for example like knowing knowing what uh, um uh blood tests you require for your uh thyroid checkups or whatever whatever it is for your long term illness being included into those tends to get you taken more seriously i'm not going to lie that that's, that has been my experience it's it's Having that ability to go, yep, yeah, this is this is what I need testing. This is what I, I, uh, uh, um, where it is. This is where you know where it's always been. And being able to tell them those those terms t- gets me taken more seriously. But it, it's going to depend on your medical professional. It's going to depend on how. Don't be throwing terminology around just willy nilly, hoping something mm-hmm. makes sense.
1: Because unfortunately, at that point, they're probably going to say, oh, you're a chronic Googler. And then, you know, assume that you went to WebMD and that you're yeah. you dying. Yeah,
0: exactly. I'm talking, probably, uh, clue yourself into your own yeah. illness and the appropriate terminology, not just going and finding fancy words on Google and hoping something works.
1: Yeah, I think in terms of, with that and being your own best advocate as well, it's try and find community. It, like which is good for this and you know finding different groups on different websites i mean it's, it's a hell site and i hate it but facebook does have some fairly decent community led groups for specific kinds of illnesses that you can talk to other people about them and listen to them and learn from the terminology that they use and ask them about it because most like the re- that's one of the reasons we do this podcast because we've got significant experience in the things that we experience, and we don't want other people to have to have gone through as much to get to the same point, we will happily tell you about anything. So try and find those people and, you know, look for somebody that is, is willing to talk to you, not for, to give you a diagnosis, not to give you medical advice, but to teach you a bit about the condition of the stage that they're at so that you can be more informed and go to a doctor. And, you know, because you might have a particular pain in your stomach. And somebody else might have also had the same pain and they're like, well, the pain I feel is feels like this and the word for it is that. And you might go, oh, that's the same. So then you can go back to a doctor and say, oh, I've got this uh, stabbing pain, not a, a searing pain, I might have said because it felt hot, but no, it's a stabbing pain in my left kidney. And that will help a doctor so much more because they're like, oh, well, stabbing pains are caused by blah, blah, blah. And then you can go from there. So, yes, find community there's, there's a website or a group out there for pretty much every single thing. <laughs> and they will normally have people who are willing to talk or at least to help educate or give resources. But like when we've had uh, Mr. Duke, on before community was one of the big things that was talked about as well. And, and finding other people with extensive experience who will help get you to a point that you can manage your own illness better.
0: But also there is, um, uh, it's not the great terminology, but but it's the first thing that came to mind. Misery and company, uh, <laughs> yeah. like not to be not to be uh, pessimistic or anything. Just more of a there is there is something to be said about finding a network of people that you can identify with on a level where you could go. Okay, well I've been experiencing this, and someone else goes. Huh. So that actually, yeah. So have I, and I've also got this. And you realizing it's actually a call. You know, it's actually something that's not normal. It's a symptom that, of your of your condition, and also realizing that you're not as weird as you thought you were. You know, it's there is there is much to be said in in well, basically peer support, in that ability to to have people in your corner that understand what you're going through
1: yeah and self-doubt something that's so you will encounter it so much especially if you're still seeking diagnosis and things like that and as i say your friends experience experiences aren't meant to be your diagnoses. but in a in like a personal thing recently where i've I've got this appointment coming up to to have some testing done for something like endo i was like oh am i just overplaying this like and I said to some of my friends, like, here's the things I've been experiencing, but I think, I think I'm just being dramatic. And they went, no, 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 before my diagnosis, I had that, 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 and that. I've also had this. Do you have this? And I went, oh, shit, I have that, too, and I didn't even know that was something that could be considered. So it's not a diagnosis, but it is understanding. But there are other people with diagnosis who've had similar things, so I'm, I'm not overplaying it. I'm not being dramatic. I'm trying to take an interest in my own health. And there are others who are then willing to support it. It helps to not make you feel so alone because pain can, pain, mental health, physical health—it can all make it can all feel so isolating because nobody else is feeling the exact same thing that you are feeling. But it helps to no know other people feel similar, even if it sucks.
0: I mean, imposter syndrome is 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 gonna be one of your most common bedfellows. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's. It, you are always going to feel like maybe you're not ill enough or you're not the right kind of ill or you just you, you're not you're not as ill as you you think you are maybe maybe you're just lazy maybe maybe it's you know maybe it's nothing maybe lots of people experience this and and this is just normal and it, it it is going to happen it's one of those things and it community can really help with with those those points as well because it can help ground you back to no no you you are legitimately you know you are suffering you are experiencing these things and it is an illness and you are entirely valid in that
1: now, the next question we've got, I think we've already covered a bit on as well, but I have had a friend have a uh, situation recently, which obviously I will redact all details. But the advice I gave was one of the questions we've got is about appointments themselves. And obviously, notes are incredibly important because your memory will fail you, especially if you get nervous or don't think you're going to be taken seriously or you're met, like I've been. I'm sure Drak has been with a doctor that just doesn't really seem to give a shit. And so you feel rebuffed instantly. But if you have, legion of notes so many notes that you can say there's you can read them all. I can give you the succinct answer what do you want that will help because it's it's proof that you're not an imposter and that those things happened and you wrote them down and that it is it is a log to help you be more confident um but I have a friend who is seeking a diagnosis for something and they were given a form and the form is one of those very unhelpful ones that says strongly disagree or strongly agree and they were like well, right now and i like, no, shut up stop immediately so this is a form for you to try and ask a doctor to even consider getting you an appointment about the thing right what was it like at your worst do you not put what it's like right this second because if you're filling in the form you're probably feeling okay enough to be reading the form thinking about it and filling in the form but that's not the person that needs help the person that needs help is for you that was far too sick to ever fill in the fucking form or phone up about the form or to have even looked at it because your eyes hurt or something, or you were just not mentally capable of doing it at that time. Fill out your forms as though the worst, most sick version of you that you've ever been is filling them out because that's the person that needs help and you're doing them a disservice if you say, well, I think I'm all right now because the doctor go, oh, you're all right now, fuck it, great, you're sorted. I've made that mistake before and it took far too long to actually go, no, I'm still buggered. Can I have more help, please? So. I think that's the only bit I wanted to add is when it comes to appointments and prepping for them, and even when you've got them, is do not go in there and say, you're fine now. Go in there, even if you are, and say, I have not been good, or the form, fill it out accurately. Don't put everything as a 10 and send it in, but fill it out, as so though the worst version of you is filling it out, so you get the help that you actually need for those times. You're not always trying to get the help for you right that second
0: that in itself is um, advocating for the you that can't advocate for themselves yes um you can't like i'm sorry but i don't know a single person that can go in and be like uh, uh, and answer those goddamn questionnaires that are like in the past two weeks how have you been feeling It's like well i mean i can't fucking remember what i had for breakfast but <laughs>
1: All right now it's like no 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 no, no.
0: well What's i'm the... here so i must be okay
1: <laughs> yeah and if you don't remember you if you do have somebody else close in your life try asking them as well because when that friend came to me and said here's the answers i went okay these aren't you know i'm not going to fill in the form for you but these aren't how i would have described how you felt or you know these aren't how i would have expected you to answer these questions do we want to talk about it remember like how do we want to approach this situation um and then you know because you're going to remember something probably more about somebody else than you're going to remember about yourself because you're in your own head all the time anyway so asking somebody else like does this sound right to you And they'll probably go oh god no you were crying on the floor tuesday you're an absolute wreck because your legs hurt like that's probably something you blocked out because it hurt so use other people's memories if you've gotten to hand if not try can keep notes so that you can advocate for yourself,
0: yeah, and uh in the whole ballpark of advocating for yourself um don't don't be embarrassed to talk about things um I'm telling you now if you're if you're ill for a long period of time, eventually it's going to get to a point where you're going to talk about things that you never thought that you'd ever have a long and detailed conversation about ever in your life um the faster you get over that embarrassment that your body is doing these disgusting and horrendous things the the sooner that you can get like proper legitimate help um everyone poops everyone mm-hmm. poops like it's Doctors are are trained to deal with it. They're they're literally—it's their job. There are entire departments in hospitals just dedicated to testing poop. So get get over it. Seriously, they've 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 seen it all.
1: like scrubs had it right when they had an episode which had a musical piece in it that was all about (laughs) testing poop like your hang-ups about something should hopefully never interrupt your actual medical care and if you you, like it's like earlier if you feel gross or disgusting or just it's wrong you're gonna have to deal with it because it's needed to test because there's a lot of stuff that can be found out by checking out your poop because uh, you really don't want them to have to go digging inside any. instead of doing that just to find the issue. You'd probably rather just give them a, a, a tub and then leave and just be like, oh, that never happened. Pretend it didn't happen. They'll give them results later. There's a lot that can be found out. and It's like, I know that something's wrong with my body because I took one sip of a drink yesterday and was on the toilet for like three hours. And it's like, hmm, that shouldn't be happening. I should probably check what's in that drink because uh, that's fucked. But yes. then that also potentially goes along with the idea of me being checked for endo because, uh, lo and behold, IBS symptoms could literally be a thing when I've not been diagnosed with IBS. It will tell you a lot. You do have to, unfortunately, understand a lot of your body. It is weird and sometimes gross, but it's yours, and you might as well know how it works. Like, If you think about it like a car, like nobody really wants to be scrubbing in all the gross crevices because, you know, if you learn how it works, you'll be able to fix it better. <laughs>
0: But please do scrub in your crevices because it, that, that's that's good for your health. Um, gently. If you have gently. Uh, and certain crevices don't go too deep because those are those are self-cleaning. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. And make sure
1: you check the pH balance of anything that you use. Because you don't want to be going in with, like, the Lysol or... Like... Yeah. There's, there's lots of things. There's lots of strange things. But, but this is
0: yeah. this is why we're talking about this because, look, you get to a point where right, you, you, you've you got to be able to talk about all sorts of stuff and that's why we're having these conversations because they're really taboo, we're, we're brought up in this society of like, we shouldn't talk about these things and we shouldn't, we should never mention this and you know, it, it's, it, we're having these conversations uh, um, out in public, uh, about our, our our various ailments and and well let's let's put it bluntly shitting um so that you don't have to, and that you can take this away and be well, I should probably talk to my doctor about that thing, or you know it if it, it, we're going through the public embarrassment so that you don't have to
1: yep. <laughs> Again, I think we both gave up being given a shit about it a long time ago. So, but, I see what you did yeah.
0: there.
1: Yeah. Right. So, uh, in terms of being your own best advocate as well, there are... We've had a question about it, so we'll, I guess we'll dig into it more later, but what kind of help is available to you, especially in the UK? Like We can't speak for America. At least I can't. I've never been to America. Um, but A doctor may not always be the right place to go like and and not a lot of people know that so like where can people go to get help how can they get help
0: there I mean again it's it's entirely based on the situation Um, there are so many different avenues that you can take but for example you don't tend to go to your doctor if you need benefits you don't tend to go to your doctor if uh, you're looking for something to fill in the gap between the doctor's appointment and the year and a half wait for uh, um your uh, um uh, specialist there are the, there are many different options um if if it's a problem with your medical professionals there are places to go for that there like one thing can be said For the uh, um, um, uh, healthcare in the UK, again, I'm I'm assuming for most of Europe, but again, can only speak from the UK perspective, there are services there dedicated to helping you find the correct uh, um, place to... Advocate for you when you can't advocate for yourself, to make sure professionals are doing their job and treating you with the respect and care that you need, um, that you do not drop through the system, um, which happens a lot more than it should. Um, there are dedicated places for mental health care there are very There are various options for that. There, there's not just one place, there, there are many options, of varying degrees. Um, you have the ability to ask for a second opinion, you have the ability to change your doctor at any point, you have the ability to, to request to be at a specific practice. You can be in any practice anywhere in the UK. As long as they take um, uh, uh, patience, like if if they're full, then you can't really do anything about it. But you you have the you have the right to be anywhere. There are so many different options there. It's just the problem is is that we're not told. We're not we're not led to believe that we have a choice. And that's the important thing really to bear in mind is that yes, there are, I can tell you no end of, of options. There are charities, there are services, but the most important thing there is knowing that there are options.
1: Like some some specifics, well, I've just been trying to think in my head, like things that I could have gone to a doctor for, but they've never been helpful. Where else could I have gone? So um, most, most towns or cities will have a sexual health clinic if there's something that you actually want to talk about, but you feel a bit nervous or potentially you feel it's taboo or your doctor might be homophobic or something like that you'd always hope it's not the case but sexual health clinics will usually be a lot more open-minded and uh, a lot more able to help they also tend to have either a crisis area uh, they have information on abortion they have information or possibly even have things like the morning after pill on hand uh, and they are able to help you out with those
0: you don't Uh, even need to go to a um, clinic Or a doctor for emergency contraception you can walk into boots
1: yes yes you can but it's like if you need to ask someone about it or you're not sure or if if you're underage or something like that like don't hide it because it will get worse that's how those situations go but most sexual health clinics will have well they have a duty of care for that kind of thing so they will be able to help and you can even just phone them and normally they're very discreet and they just have a little sign outside or they have a different sign and then it's different inside you know to, to help make it safer but you have things like that it sounds silly but every pharmacy has a pharmacist most of the people you talk to are dispensers they aren't medically trained but they they get the medication somebody signs it off in the back and has checked it and then they're allowed to give it out but they aren't medically trained but in most places especially things if you're in the uk like a boots or a lloyd's pharmacy you can ask to have a free consultation with the uh, with the pharmacists themselves who understand medications, who understand how they might work together. If you need an emergency medication, if you've run out of yours and need some, but the doctor can't help, they may be able to help tide you over for a few days. There's a, there's a lot of different things and a lot of different people who aren't a GP that you can go and you can speak to as well. There's even things like your local library might have an advocacy group, which is not something I've seen everywhere, but especially if they have anything uh, like a youth group, they might have uh, an an adult advocate who is able to help you find information on on housing or medication or treatment or in in some places uh, like receiving trans health care, which you might be too nervous to speak to your doctor about. There there may be somewhere in a place you wouldn't necessarily expect who will be able to give you at least advice, if not actual support.
0: And there's always citizen advice as well. Yes they are very good at dealing with all of the bureaucracy um, options that come along with health and and benefits and various trying to traverse and find those options because as i said earlier it's very difficult to to know that you have options and that's what citizen advice are good for they're, they're very good at pointing you in the direction of of actually exploring what you get a choice in
1: and related to that as well um again it's it's speaking locally to us but um especially if you are online like if you're watching this on twitch you probably know a few streamers or you know a few some other people in other communities and you might have talked to them on discord or or twitter there's things called mutual aid where streamers come together and help fundraise for a specific person, not just like a charity. So if there's something you desperately need, there may be somebody willing to help you fundraise for that specific thing. If you need a wheelchair and you cannot get help, I've seen people do that, which has been fantastic. These aren't things you can necessarily rely on, but they're conversations you can have to see what you can find out. And charity is a big one as well. They aren't always able to help everyone. They've got limited funds, they have limited staffing, and I I know because I work for a charity, but you can ask them for advice and they will almost always take the time to give you, even if it's just some links, just a little bit, to get you on a path to somewhere that can help you. But if you've got an issue or you have a physical condition or a mental health condition, there will be a charity who benefits it or research, and you can very likely find an email or a support group on their website to say i need help with this specific thing can you give me any information and they may just say oh we have a fund for that or they may just say oh you can apply for assistance here or we can't help here's a list of people that can so there's a lot of different ways whether you can do it online whether there's someone local to you or whether it's you know an actual organization
0: and in more serious uh terms there is uh resources online for uh phone lines for immediate help for either medical or uh, mental health issues um i think no yes maybe
1: no It's uh, uh, under like a different name essentially there's a big list online of uh lots of different resources i'd say uh, the charity safe in our world which is a uh, a charity about mental health for gamers is is really good. and has a fantastic different set of, uh, of resources on there that you can speak to. I do believe, and this is just quick, you'll need to double check, the number for the Samaritans is changing, um, I believe. But I think it may only be like an American light. It's a really short number. Um, especially, I think they're changing one digit. So if you do have it on speed dial, just double check the phone number you know in the next month or so. And make sure it's going to the right place. Or if you try and phone it, and it doesn't go through. Don't panic. Google it and just check the number it hasn't changed because there is an organisation who has a suicide hotline that is changing the number, but they're trying to make sure people know about it in advance. If I can find it, I will before the end of the stream. There we there go. <laughs> Checkpoint is another good one, but big list.
0: But that is a resource that can be used for internationally. That is that is for everyone. That's not just the UK. Okay. Uh, you have further questions, or do we move on to other questions?
1: Uh, so we've got another another one question I think, which was two, but we'll combine it into one because we've got some audience questions as well. Okay. Um, which is a slightly more positive now I think. It's like what good things, or like what's one of the most important things that we've learnt from our personal experiences? Or, or something that positive that we can take away because it is easy to see the negative and there is a lot of negatives.
0: Um, I would say that a this <laughs> for a start um, is is doing being able to create a a platform for discussion that may or may help people that. I mean, any anything that could potentially aid others to uh, to not have to go through all of the years of angst and doubt that I went through is is worth it. Um, and and B is is the empathy. That how I've developed through, through experiencing chronic illness and and mental health issues is you you can identify with people on a whole different level um, when you go through something like this because you suddenly realise that a lot of people that you meet. Probably suffer from some form of invisible illness, uh, mental health issues, etc., um, etc. Cetera, et cetera. And yeah, it 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 really puts things in perspective. Um, how about you?
1: On a slightly silly note, one thing I've actually enjoyed taking away from it is my higher pain tolerance, um, because it means I've been able to cover myself in tattoos with nary a worry. Pretty much, I'll sit there for five or six hours and just be like, "Yeah, I'm cool. Are you alright, tattooist? You seem tired. Like, you good?" Which is a silly thing, but I enjoy getting tattoos, so uh, it's it's nice to have a good pain tolerance to be able to deal with that, essentially. Um, but I do think the other thing, yeah, is is the ability to under understand myself better, understand myself better, um, because being diagnosed with physical illness first helps me understand some of what I was feeling about my body and what I was feeling about who I am. Well, I wasn't thinking about it in a justified way because there was a reason for the way I was feeling and the, the way that things were going. Um, but it's also helped me to then try and look at how I deal with other situations and then realize, hmm, maybe I need some mental health support as well. So, I've taken away actually being able to understand myself and being the most confident in myself that I ever have been because there are answers and they may not always have been the ones I wanted but they are there and having like the the, the illness and the symptoms and the pain it's always been there it's just not always had a name so I've never known how to tackle it uh, you know it's like those horror stories where they're like you need to know the ghost's name before you can dispel it it's very much the same situation I know its name so now I can fight it or I can deal with it or I can make friends with it. Whatever I have to do to manage it it's now something I can do because I've been able to understand it better.
0: Okay. Is that...
1: That's the end of our list. Yes, so I, uh, I guess audience questions.
0: Okay. Right, yeah. so I'll do the one that's uh, from the chat first and then I'll do the one from the form. Um, if I feel like I've lost trust in healthcare, do you have any tips for what I can do to help me get accessible care?
1: I think the first thing is, well, let's let's take a hospital for example. If that's the kind of care that you've you've been seeking, you've been let down by, is just do a little bit of googling about the hospital and see if they do have a section for getting accessible help there or for a complaints procedure, something that will help you have somebody else in your corner before you have to tackle it, because I doubt you're gonna be able to just move city and try a new hospital out. It's not always that simple. But finding out what resources are available will help. And unfortunately, and it feels so hard to say, but it is gonna be on you to do that legwork initially, and it shouldn't be, that it is gonna be yours. You're the only one who knows what needs you have and you're the only one that can initially advocate for them before you get somebody else in your corner. So it's gonna suck at first, but the first thing you can do is try and find somebody else to get in your corner, as I say, whether that's something helping you out with the complaints procedure or you know, saying, if I require a second person in with this appointment, can I have that? Or I wanna see a, sec- a second doctor because I didn't like that first one, can I do that? So if you've lost trust, hopefully it's with a specific person and not an entire system, if it is a system, Try and find another system to help you out, a community or somebody else with more experience. Get back up essentially.
0: Yeah, I mean, the. Again, not specific to like healthcare, um, but I wouldn't be in the more functional place that I am. Have the luxury to take the time to at least try things that may or may not have solved. Uh, um, some of my problems if it hadn't been for seeking help with citizen advice. Um, Like not having to actually do the physical application for PIP, having someone be there to to just tell me what they needed from me, talk to me about what was going on so they could fill in and do the 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 main body of work for me so that I didn't have to. It was was huge. I would have never got that if if I if I hadn't have had that outside help. Um I would not have been able to do that on my own. Um so it's really important to get someone like that on your side. And I I I'm pretty sure that any any system that has a free healthcare system as far as i am aware would have options because they have to help hold their their medical professionals accountable and they have to allow for um patient feedback at the end of the day even with free healthcare it is it is a customer service it is a someone is providing a service and you are a customer, whether or not you are physically paying for that, or whether or not your taxes are paying for that, you are still a customer. And you kind of have to approach it that way. That you have the right to complain. You have the right to switch companies or switch person who serves you or or whatever so you have the right to yeah the right to speak to the manager (laughs) um so yeah but if you can find a, a, a service that will will fight that corner for you it it will help you no end and that is their job their job is to fight the corner of the people that can't fight their corner um Yes it can be embarrassing yes it can be it make you feel a little bit degrading or or it, it is a difficult one to get over it, i'm not going to lie it is it is difficult to to get over but those options are definitely there it's just finding them
1: and even if you are in america as well from some of the american guests that we've we've had on all from a country with like paid for healthcare you are literally purchasing a product And it's going to be very, very difficult, especially if you are ill or you've had a procedure to advocate for yourself. But uh, I'm pretty sure any time you spend money on something, they've got a complaints procedure and you are able to put in a complaint. Um, And I do especially know from some people that I, I personally know that their bills have not always been correct. And that by actually going and saying, I want this double check, they've been able to get the correct bill. So... I guess if you are in America, don't expect that the bill you've been handed is correct. If there's something that don't look right, question it. Because the worst you can be told is you're wrong, it is right, and then you've got to pay the bill. You're going to have to do that anyway. So be sceptical, especially if it is coming to your health, and especially to lots of money, if it's something like that. But if you're, if you're paying to see a therapist and you don't like them, don't keep paying them. That's a service, and you ain't getting the right one, so don't keep going with it. And I, as I say, we do realize that comes with a position of privilege and it is going to be difficult and different for everyone. But there is always something somewhere. It just may sometimes take a few more spoons to find and it might take a few more days to find or an avenue might not work and you've got to try another one. But there, there is a helper somewhere.
0: Basically be willing to fight. I, I know it, I, it, it almost ended me um trying to see out fighting for, for benefits. But it if you can, if you have the, the ability to do fight do fight it because it, it is at the end of the day worth it. Um whether that be on your health or or in benefits or support that you require. Um but Embarrassment, it's, yeah. and, Embarrassment
1: yeah. and shame can't last forever. They'll suck in the period of time but there will be relief, especially if you are able to find some assistance somewhere in some form, even if it's just a tiny little push to keep you going. Like the, the, the horrible shit cannot last forever. Time will move forward.
0: And also okay. just to add to what you said about um, the therapist, not every therapist is right for you.
1: Oh, no. Like...
0: Not every therapist is is, is the right one, um, and it's taken a lot to realise that just because I went through the system and that one therapist that I got and that was my only option at the time said certain things, doesn't mean that they were correct, doesn't mean that it was... It, that was the right fit for me, so... Don't be put off by that, and I know it's hard to say because, especially when it comes to mental health as well, you're in a very delicate uh, place. You're you're gonna take in things that because you're not gonna have the resistances, um, the walls that you you need, the, the the tools that you need to to deal with inputs that may or may not be good for you um but it's not necessarily that 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 person was correct for you okay so um i think this one's quite specific for you actually uh this next one um how do i find the best type of crutches for my needs how different are they from each other
1: oof it, it really depends on the kind of pain, or the kind of situation that you've got. There's lots of, of different types. It, it also does depends on what kind of thing you mean when you mean crutches, whether you mean a literal crutch that you need to put your arms into to lift yourself, or whether you need an aid. But I think the advice for all of these is, is the same, is that you get lots of cheap ones that say one size the fits all. They do not, everyone has a very different body size, shape, composition. For strength some people may have something called osteoporosis and may literally not be able to lift themselves without insane pain some people may have brittle bones and also not be able to do the same so in that case you may find a wheelchair is actually going to be better than a crutch but it's talking to somebody that does know or can give you access to the right medical records and then finding something that fits that's either tailor-made or as close to tailor as you can get. When I got my my wrist splints, I knew that I needed a very specific kind of metal plate in there so that I could uh, bend my wrist one way but not sort of bend them the the other way without sort of putting pain on uh, or putting pressure near my thumb. So I had to go for the ones that had a slightly offset sort of metal bar in it, which sounds, you know, like inconsequential, but it makes a difference for me actually being able to use it. So talk to somebody if the hospital or the doctor like if you know you need these kinds of crutches, you've possibly been told that Ask them if they have ones you can try um they normally have just some standard ones but they may have some specialist ones uh, that you can get on request or again with community see if anyone has old ones that you can try that they don't mind sending you you probably wouldn't want to use them all the time if they've been particularly worn in but you may go oh that's the right fix for me or that feels better than a new one i can go from there, so it's learning exactly what kind of sort of, sort of shape size material uh, that you need and going from there. When it comes to things like arm crutches and walking sticks as well, two things are incredibly important, which is the grip, because you need to put your hands somewhere, and again, everyone's got very different size hands, um, so you need to make sure that you can very comfortably put your hands into it without putting massive pressure and sending that pain up your arms. Uh, and that the that is the right height, because every store-bought uh, cane and walking stick does not work for me, because it's normally half an inch too tall, so my arm bends at the wrong angle and puts massive pain across my shoulder blades, so I need to get one that's custom, because I'm too short for the ones that come from the shop. You may find the same from a regular set of crutches that you need to put your arms in. If you are short, you may find they actually sit more up towards your armpits, and that's really painful. That's not correct at all that's not how that's meant to work so you're gonna have to try some different options but mostly consider that buying the cheapest unfortunately won't work and buying one-size-fits-all unless you are the the magical generic one size it's not gonna work
0: okay uh, and uh, last question um, is any advice for attending schools Whose other students are ableist?
1: As somebody that was intensely bullied, but not necessarily for my pain, but being the fat kid, which was caused by pain that I didn't know wasn't something you were meant to have, first tell them to fuck off. That's a good place to start. Unfortunately, advocating for yourself does start early if you are disabled or experiencing pain or being bullied, no matter why that is. Sometimes you are going to have to stand your ground. The one thing that's often said to a kid that doesn't often help is tell a teacher. That may not help, but getting your parents if they're in your corner to kick up a stink, especially if it's ableism that's going in, kids are learning that from somewhere. So try and get more people in your corner. It's the same pretty much for most of these questions, but get people in your corner and be willing to fight your own battles, and it's going to be really difficult. But if you've got friends at the school that you can tell that these you know, these kids are doing this kind of thing. If you see them, I need help. Like, if they're throwing shit at you and you're on crutches, you're going to need people to stand in the way of the rocks. It's really difficult, especially when you're in school, and it feels like so much of what you're experiencing rides on how you react to the situation, but those people, you ain't going to know them forever. And so, fuck them. You deserve to be comfortable and, and happy, but try and get people in your corner. If it's getting problematic, do try and tell a teacher that you trust do try and tell a parent or a guardian that you trust and go from there.
0: And I'm going to go on the opposite side of things in the sense of um, if it's a case of that people are being ableist without realizing, um, that's where education comes in. Um, like people may not realize that they're being ableist. They don't. They may not realize what it is that they're doing. Because the thing is, they're thinking from a, their own perspective. They've never had that need to think about that. And something that they do normal day to day, they take it. You know, they take for uh, um, uh, for granted because. They don't have to think about what happens if they can't do that anymore um and that's where you might have to like well i i can't do that i I can't and and this is why and and i need help or i i find it very uncomfortable when you treat me that way because of this thing that you can do that I can't, um, and just making sure that you know your school is and your your facilities or your workplace are are taking the appropriate uh, um, uh, courses of action to to accommodate because it is. It is a requirement. You, you have right to the same, access the same education, the same facilities, the same opportunities as anyone else. And if they're not providing that, then that's on them, not on you. That's on them. And they need to do something about that. And you need to kick up a stink yeah. to, <laughs> to make sure that they know it's on them. And uh, it is a requirement by law (laughs) for them to do that. So at the end of the day, legally speaking, (laughs) you you have have a a metaphorical leg to stand on with that one.
1: Yeah, if it's the school or the teachers themselves being ableist, then you do have the same rights to education as everyone else, and they must make accommodations for you. Like, if it's simply that they will not let you move, best to sit at the front so you can actually see the board. Go over your initial teacher's head if they will not listen to you, and go to somebody else that can force them to listen because you have that right. If it's if it's that you know they're not giving you accommodations, we don't know what accommodations there are available. Hopefully, there's either like a, a school nurse or a school counsellor that you could speak to, or even the HR person, you know, the person that runs the reception desk normally, they will have a big old book of random school rules and laws and shit that they will be able to to check into. Obviously, this is all assuming that somebody at the school is going to be helpful, but if not, as we say, get somebody else to help fight your corner, a parent or a guardian or another teacher that's willing to say, person needs help and need to find it
0: then there are also charities and and such, and they are designed specifically to make sure that you are provided those facilities. That's... lots of charities get, like, government funding specifically to make sure that people in these situations are, are getting the education and the facilities that they need.
1: Sorry, catch medication alarm. (laughs) Otherwise, I will forget. But yes, no, you're exactly right. Uh, There there is always somebody you can go to. And if you can't, then every school is usually controlled by a higher group of governors, which are sometimes parents and teachers. Sometimes it is actually a painful governmental branch, and you can keep fighting up that way if you really want to. You can always go higher. Um, Hopefully, it is either kids being stupid that you can deal with, or it is something you can easily fix. But it does depend, one, how serious it is, two, how it's making you feel, and three, how much fight you can personally put into it. But Mm. yes, there is many ways to get help, and you are entitled to them.
0: And, yeah, at the end of the day, this is very much assuming that you have the fight in you right now for all of the things that we've said so far. And sometimes you're not at that point yet. And it's okay it doesn't make you any any less any like it doesn't diminish your issues it doesn't it doesn't like mean that you've failed if right now you do not have that fight in you. Mm-hmm. It is very difficult. you have to have the the energy to put into that because unfortunately we do live in a world where it's not catered towards helping individuals that don't fit into a nice normal mold. And if we don't fight, then we don't get a step closer to that point where people become aware that this isn't okay, that that there are people out there that aren't getting the same rights the same privileges as as everyone should be so it it is dependent on you being able to fight finding someone to fight for you um but trust me eventually it is worth it
1: hopefully having the educational just just a little Mm. bit of our personal experience means that when you've found that just that tiny nugget of fight you're able to know what to do with it because knowing is half the battle. of knowing where to put your energy when you've got limited amounts and maybe the first time it won't work and the second time it won't work and maybe even the third time but if you've got enough things that you can cross off one of them is gonna have something even if it's just another step in the fucking quest line they give you another email address it's still more progress
0: okay well that's me out of questions mm-hmm. um, I assume you're out of questions too Yeah, nice little bow. Right. Awesome. (laughs) Well. Uh thank you everyone for hanging out with us. I hope I hope some of this was useful or educational or interesting or I don't know. (laughs) Amusing. Um
1: uh, (laughs)
0: If 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 nothing else then at least we talked about poop. Um
1: exactly.
0: (laughs) So thank you all for hanging out with us. Um next uh podcast will be in two weeks. Um where I think we're talking to Plata again.
1: Yes, Joe, yes. I
0: mean, Joe. Um cool. So we're going to have a, a little catch up there on on the um terminal cancer diagnosis and um what's been going on there, because uh, there's been lots of developments, so that should be extremely interesting. It's nice to have someone back and and continue with that story. Um, but yes, uh, next stream will be on Sunday. Um, so I hope you all have a good rest of your Jubilee weekend. Um, I hope you have a good rest of your evening or day. Uh, if you'd like to keep in contact outside of stream, do you follow on the socials, the Twitters, the Instagrams? follow page on on the twitch if you have not um and yes um i will see you all soon say bye all bye <laughs>